This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, especially if you're watching for the very first time. We appreciate those who watch every time we come on the air. Stay tuned today as we're going to discuss the subject, Be Committed to a Purpose. Now, for the benefit of those who may be watching today for the first time, we'd like to make mention of the free Bible correspondence course that we offer on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we'd like for you to know a little bit more about the course and we'd like for you to know how to receive it, so let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free. 1-877-711-5214. I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of of God. Everything that we do in life should be done to glorify the God of heaven. And he is worthy of being glorified. He's worthy of being glorified because he is God because he is our creator, because of his might, because of his power, but because of his infinite knowledge, because that he is an omnipresent God. He is a God who is ever-present. He is a God of infinite goodness and love. He is a God of mercy and a God of grace. You see, he is worthy of being glorified. So that leads me to ask a question, how do we glorify God? Well, I want us to call your attention to a passage found in the third chapter of Ephesians and verse number 21 where the Bible says, Unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end. We glorify God in the church. Earlier in that chapter of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul had talked about God's eternal purpose in verses 10 and 11 and following. And it was God's eternal purpose through Jesus Christ 
to make known his manifold wisdom. And he talks about the church in those two passages. To the intent now that under the principalities and powers might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the church is in his eternal purpose. And then in verse 21, he says, Unto him be glory in the church. We glorify God in the body of Christ that is the church. The church had its beginning on the first Pentecost after Jesus' resurrection. The events of that happening are recorded in the second chapter of the book of Acts. But how do we glorify God in the church? I would suggest that we glorify God in the church by our presence. That is, by our presence in worship to Him. When the church comes together, we should be there. We're there to glorify God. John 4, 24 says that God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I should never intentionally, willfully, or deliberately absent myself from the opportunity to worship God in spirit and in truth. Hebrews 10 verse 25 is a passage that is, I think, a very disbelieved verse because many people violate the passage. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When we gather together on the Lord's day to worship, we're glorifying God by our presence. We glorify God in the church by the prayers that we pray. Paul said to pray without ceasing. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And when we approach the throne of God through the avenue of prayer, we are showing our faith in God and the, our faith in what God can do through the prayers that we pray. Hence, we're glorifying Him. Do you have any confidence that when you pray that God is listening? 1 John 5 and 14 says this is the confidence that we have in Him. That, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And so he's listening when his people pray. We glorify God by the prayers that we pray. We glorify God in the church with our possessions. Honor the Lord with our substance. With the first fruits of all of thine increase, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. And so we glorify God with the material blessings that he's given to us by returning to him some of those blessings for the support of his cause. In 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, verses 1 and 2, the apostle wrote, Now concerning the collection for the saints, 
is I've given order to the churches of Galatia. Even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So we're to give to the Lord when the church comes together to worship, and we will be blessed for so doing. Listen to Luke chapter 6 in verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. We glorify God by giving of the possessions that we have. And then we glorify God by having a persevering spirit. Some people just quit. They began to serve the Lord, and then you began to look around to find them, and they are no longer there. But we are to be persevering. And it's by having that spirit of perseverance that we glorify God. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, if you faint, that is, you lose heart, you cease to follow Jesus. If you lose heart, you cease to be a faithful, dedicated Christian, then you'll not have the blessing that he talks about, that is, of, of reaping a good harvest. You must not give up, and you must not faint. So we glorify God by having a persevering spirit. I've known of people who serve the Lord for 40, 50, 60, and some even for 70 or more years. They had that spirit of perseverance. But another way we glorify God in the church is by our purity. And I know in the the day in which we lived, for a preacher to begin to talk about purity sounds a little strange. It sounds almost as old-fashioned as a, as a T-model Ford. But, but this is something that is so sorely needed in our world today, and that's an attitude of purity. The Apostle Paul wrote and said, Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. Pure. James 1.27 says that pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We glorify God in the church when we keep ourselves pure, that is unspotted, from the world. It is lamentable that sometimes you cannot tell the difference between a sinner and a saint because the saint or so-called saint lives a life just like the sinner does. So we need to have that persevering spirit, live a life of purity if we're going to glorify God in that institution known as the church. Unto him be glory in the church. Now, let me pause long enough to say 
You cannot glorify him in the church unless you're in it. And in order that you might be a member of the church for which Jesus Christ shed his blood on Calvary, you must be a believer in him. You must be willing to repent of your sins. You must confess your faith in him. And you must be baptized that you might be saved. Someone says, how do you know that, Brother Lambert? Because Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And when I do what Jesus said, I'm added to the church. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. So have you ever been added to the New Testament church upon your obedience to the gospel? If not, let me encourage you to do that so you can glorify God in the church. So that's one way that we glorify God. Now another way that we glorify God is by doing good, that is by good works. We read about a woman in the ninth chapter of Acts. Her name is Dorcas or Tabitha. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 about verse 36 that she was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. This woman was a good Christian woman. She was full of good works. Well, that's one of the ways that we glorify God. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So one of the ways that we glorify God is by trying to do all of the good that we can to help other people, our good works. The good works that we might do are not to draw attention to us. Now, people will see us if we do good. For example, if there's a family that has uh, uh, fallen on hard times, and if I were to decide that I wanted to take some, some groceries to them, for example, pe people might observe that I have done that. But the reason I do it is not to draw attention to me, but to cause people to focus their attention on Jesus. That's one of the ways that we glorify the Lord is by the good works that we perform. But then yet another way that we glorify God Almighty is by the name that we wear. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, and in verse number 16, Peter is talking about Christians that were suffering. And in verse 16 he says, And yet if any one suffers as a Christian, Christians will suffer. Christians often suffer. And in verse 12 he said, Don't think it's strange that you do. Jesus suffered. And a Christian also will suffer. We may not suffer as some do in some parts of the world today. That is, they suffer by direct persecution upon them, even to the point of death. And this happened to early Christians, that is, in the first century. But we still will suffer. But he says, if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you may be suffering. But let him glorify God in this matter. 
You see, one of the ways that we glorify God is by wearing the right name, and that's the name Christian. He said, if anyone suffers as a Christian, don't let him be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter on this behalf. We glorify God by the name that we wear. The name Christian is found but three times in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, in all of the Bible. The first time it is found is in Acts the 11th, chapter verse 26, where the Bible says that the disciples were called Christians. They were called Christians, first at Antioch. The second place that the name Christian is found is in Acts the 26th chapter, verse 28. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And then the third time, of course, is in the passage that I just read. If any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God uh, on this behalf or in this, for this reason. And so those are the only three instances or places or passages where the name Christian is found. But there are some things that we learn about the name Christian. Number one, we learn that a Christian is a disciple. Acts eleven twenty six. If it, it says, and the disciples were called Christians. So a Christian is a disciple. Well, what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. If I say that I'm a Christian, that suggests that I'm a learner of Christ, that is, I learn from Jesus, and that I also am a follower of Jesus Christ. Then a second thing we learn about the name Christian from Acts 26, 28 is that a Christian is a person who has been persuaded. But, but Agrippa said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. We, we need to be altogether persuaded to be a Christian. And we are persuaded that being a Christian is best for my soul. I am persuaded that being a Christian is best for me now and forevermore. So what is a Christian? A Christian is a disciple. A Christian is one who has been persuaded. And in the language of the Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I would persuade you to be a Christian. Don't be an almost persuaded person. Be altogether persuaded that being a Christian is best for your soul. But a third thing we learn about a Christian is that a Christian is a person who is willing to suffer for doing right. And so we glorify God in the name that we wear. Are you a Christian? Are you wearing the name Christian? Sometimes you can talk to people and say, what are you religiously? And the first thing they want to tell you is the name of the church of which they are a member. We need to say, I am a Christian. But to wear the name Christian, you must become one. And you become one, as we have already suggested, by believing on Jesus by repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him, and by being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. 
Acts the second chapter in verse 38, Peter said on Pentecost day, repent and be baptized. How many of us? Every one of you by whose authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And so when we do that, the Lord will add us to the body of Christ. And we call ourselves Christians. And the Bible only makes Christians only of anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Just be a Christian. And then another way we glorify God is in our body. We glorify Him in our body. I call your attention to a passage in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, and verse 19 and verse 20. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, and you're not your own, but you're bought with a price. Now that price was Jesus' blood. Then he says, as a result of that, he said, therefore glorify God, do what? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So long as I'm living in this old tabernacle of clay called a body, a human body, I am to glorify God in my body. Well, now, how, how can I glorify God in this old thing called a body? Well, I would suggest two or three things along that line. Well, one of the ways that we glorify God is by the watching of our speech. Watch the things that we say. You know, the book of James is a very practical book. It is a book that tells a great deal about the living of the Christian life. The third chapter of James it is especially a powerful chapter. Listen as I begin reading at verse 1. Just two or three verses here. He says, My brethren, let, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if a man can control his tongue, He's able to, to bridle the rest of the body. He said, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Then he uses another illustration. Look also at ships, although they're so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned about by a very small rudder wherever their pilot desires. Now here he's making the application. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Oh, we glorify God when we control that old thing called the tongue. We need to be careful of the things that we say. For Jesus said, Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. By thy words thou shalt be condemned. 
What a serious thing it is to control our tongue. We glorify God in our body by guarding the, our thoughts, watching the things that we think about. Over in the fourth chapter of Philippians, the book of Philippians, incidentally, is one of those little books of the Bible that is so rich in, in things that help us to live a good life. Listen to verse 8, chapter 4, Philippians. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things or think on these things. We glorify God in our body by trying to bring our thinking under control and watching our thoughts. Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let me mention one other way that we glorify God. This is our purpose in life is to glorify him. We glorify God by our unity. Listen to the apostle in Romans 15, 6, that you may with one mouth, a one mind and one mouth, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We glorify God by being united people. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing indeed if all people who believe in God, who believe in Jesus, who believe in the Holy Spirit, who believe the Bible, who believe there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, if all people who believe those fundamental things were together. That's the way we glorify God. But how can we glorify God in, by our unity? We must unite upon the Word of God. There's just one body and one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, let's unite upon those pillars of unity that are found in Ephesians 4. Let us be one. Jesus died not to divide us. He died to unite us in one body. I want to thank you for watching today. I want to challenge you to glorify God in your life. Glorify him by becoming a Christian today. Do it the Bible way, not the way some man teaches, but the Bible way. And may I encourage you right now to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You'll find people who are trying to glorify God. That's their purpose in life, to glorify him. Also now, may I encourage you to pick up the telephone, call for the Bible course right now. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.